I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of training on Zwift is the community. Whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from. And every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik, and as always, joined by Mr. Jens Vogte. Jens, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, over the weekend, I worked at the Tour of Germany, four stages only, at a children's motivational program called Kinder Joy of Moving. And we tried to get the kids off the sofa onto bikes so they would learn it's much better to be out there with friends, with the brother and sisters, with parents, grandparents, and move instead of just sitting at home and watching TV. So that was really good. A lot of bright eyes and happy smiles I saw. So I had a fantastic weekend. That's a great idea. Um, I think you should come over to America and do something like that over here in the States because um, trying to get these kids outside, even when it's sunny, away from their phones is, is difficult. But You know, I'm sure our parents said the same thing, definitely about me, like going to the video arcade. That was like my thing. Any spare quarter that I could find or, you know, find under the, the sofa, I was, I was hanging out with my buddies in the video arcade. But um, yeah, besides extreme weather, um, not really that much new over here. So really, really great interview today with Amber Nebin. Amber has been around the sport of cycling for a very, very long time. She's won many races from the Pan Am Championships to national championships, both on the road and the time trial. She's been world champion twice, three-time Olympian. So much experience and so many great pieces of advice. So sit back and listen to our great conversation with Miss Amber Nevin.
Today, we have a very special guest, Mrs. Amber Nebin. Amber, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Hi, uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, um, I think we should start off with um, where you are now and, and how you're doing. You know, when I made contact with you, stalking you through Instagram, I kind of stumbled upon a uh, picture of you in a hospital bed. Do you want to tell us uh, and our listeners what uh, what happened and how you're doing? Yeah, so about two weeks ago, actually two weeks two weeks ago today, I got hit by a car. I was out training, and I had a guy. He shot a gap in traffic, turning left in front of me, and just we collided. Obviously, cyclists versus cars never a good thing. So, um, yeah, I fractured my pelvis in three places and had a pretty solid contusion on my left leg. So. Uh, yeah, I'm recovering. I'm rehabbing, um, doing everything I can to uh, make a comeback. We'll see if I've got time to make it back for Worlds, though. Like, your broken wow. pelvis, did that require surgery or just resting and let it heal together? Yeah, so I am actually blessed in the sense of it could have been a lot worse. I The fractures were non-displaced, uh, so... That was good. No surgery, simply just dealing with the pain and time for recovery. And obviously, you know, being an athlete, I think we're really good at pressing the limits of the gray area in terms of rehab and, re you know, forcing the body to respond and adapt and recover. So I'm in that mode right now. And and not to steal any of your thunder there, Amber, but, you know, Mr. Jens Vogt had a little run in with a car recently as well and broke some ribs. So uh, oh. I'm going to knock I'm going to knock on wood right now um, and just leave me out of that whole hitting a car situation, because like you like you said, when a larger object collides with a smaller object, the smaller object gets gets punished. So Definitely. let's let's leave that out of the equation. But. You know, hey, let's face it, you know, you have um, taken your fair share of hard knocks over the years. Um, you're, you're a fighter. I mean, you know, you started in cost country running in high school, went to the University of Nebraska on a um, track and uh, cost country scholarship, um, took up college there towards the end. I mean, you had a Bachelor of Science in Biology and then got your master's before you started racing. And you almost went to get your doctorate before you started racing. So obviously, you've been in the sport for a long time. And, you know, this sport is full of the highest and highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But what, what makes you tick? Because here you are, 46 years old, the Olympics are over, you just got hit by a car. And now you're like full gas into your recovery for the world championships. I mean, that normal people don't think like that. So give, a, give us a little backstory of where this fighter mentality has, has come from. Where does it come from? That is such a good question. I, I think it's in my DNA, overcomer, um, embracing adversity expert, get up, don't give up is just, it's written into my DNA uh, for whatever reason, that's been part of my story. The, the opportunities, I shall call them, to overcome difficulties. Uh, and it started in cross country with the stress fractures and then all through cycling off and on. I've had various challenges and schmacks and bits and pieces of things to have to overcome. And 
yeah, I don't know what it is. I think the Lord has just given me that personality uh, and that drive to get after it. I know from the cycling perspective, I just have this amazing ability. Um, I recognize I have this amazing gift and the opportunity to use it. I just enjoy it so much and I enjoy the process and I'm just wired. I'm wired to go after big races. I'm wired not to stop. Um, and so, you know, after the Olympics, I had such a great race. I was so close to meddling and I get to the point where I come home, I rest and, you know, I'm fully focused on the world championships. And for this to happen, it's one of those things where it's just like, ah, such bad timing. And I don't know that I want my season to end this way, but what I know for sure is I, um, I have to try, you know, I don't know that I can make it back. Um, but it's, it's in me to try. It's at least in me to try and not to quit while I'm on the ground. And so at least I'm going to get up and give it a go before I make a decision and coming back. Is that maybe something your parents taught you? Like mom and dad, they told you, Hey, listen, girl, <laughs> you gotta like stand tall and face it. Or is it just something that came out of yourself? Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I mean, when I was a, when I was a young girl, I was playing, all kinds of different sports. You name the sport. I played it. I played with the boys. I played club soccer. I played everything. And I do remember my mom, um, as a child, you know, there were times when I, I, anytime I uttered the word can't, she would look at me and say, there's no such that that word doesn't exist. You know, can't does not exist. And I'd be like, cannot then. And she's on nope, can't and cannot those words do not exist. So she just pounded that into me. And I think it stuck with me. Uh, and then, you know, from the faith perspective, I just, you know, I, I, I have that mentality of being able to do all things through Christ. So I think it's a combination, you know, of my upbringing and then my faith. But, but you, I want to go back to the Olympics. You've been two time Pan Am time trial champion. You've been twice national champion on the road. You won the national time trial championship four times. You've been world time trial champion twice, and you've been to three Olympic games. And this last one in Tokyo, um, let's just say, you know, you, you finished fifth and you missed the bronze medal by 11 seconds and the silver by 17 seconds, which is next to nothing at the age of 46 years old. Tell us a little bit about your preparation, your experience over there, and and do you have any regrets? Did you leave it all out on the road or did you miss a turn or, you know, I mean, fifth place is nothing to shake a stick at, but I mean, being that close, I'd love to hear your perspective on your Olympic um, experience. Yeah, let's work backwards. I think there were three questions in there. So do I have any regrets? <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. I. I raced with everything I had in me. I left every ounce of sweat, effort, um, energy, heart, um, soul, every piece of me out on that course. And I raced well, I paced it well. Uh, I was prepared, um, technically I was prepared for the heat. So I was ready and I had an excellent race. So You know, I thought, I've thought over and over again, like, can I get 11 seconds back? And, you know, I don't know that I could I, maybe, but to be honest with you, I think, you know, I just got beat on the day. So in that sense, it makes it easier to deal with, I think. Um, so that, that was the race from that standpoint, as far as the preparation. Um, yeah, the preparation, you know, for the Olympic games, I think sometimes people forget that they're, we're in a four-year cycle with the Olympics. So 
the preparation truly starts far out, you know, so I've been, I've been thinking about the games for years, um, each Olympic cycle preparing for them. But as, as far as my final year of preparation, obviously that was, that was kind of like a, a start the final year, hit COVID and then have to hit the reset button. But this last year, uh, Tim Cusick, who's my coach and I, you know, we, we planned out the season. Well, he had an excellent plan and we really dialed it in. You know, it started off with taking the right amount of rest in the off season. And then as we came into the year, it was really being patient, knowing I wanted to peak one time at the Olympic games. And so really, really being patient with my aerobic build in the off season, the amount of load and intensity and how we were timing it through the first half of the year. And then when it came time to really start into building, we, we did a huge camp, a huge, like 10 day camp. I think I did a thousand miles in 10 days out on the East coast with him to finish off my aerobic build. And then we moved into the final weeks of preparation with more intensity and more specificity and really just hammering, um, on the bike to really dial in everything. Plus all of that time, you know, you have to think about heat and the conditions in Tokyo were just crazy hot and humid. So, you know, we had to mix in the heat preparation in the final three weeks as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't say everything went perfect because I'm 46 and being 46 means you have to be able to strategize a little bit more than plan. Um, I had to be really good at listening to my body and knowing when to push, when to pull back, um, when to kind of just hold. And that there was a lot of communication between Tim and myself in doing that. And yeah, and then obviously the final piece of the puzzle with the, the, the preparation for a race like Tokyo is the um, specificity of the course uh, and the mental preparation that comes with preparing for the course. And so we had a practice uh, climb and descent set up on the East Coast, and then I mimicked it near my house here in Southern California, where I was able to practice the idea of doing an effort with a with a wall at the finish and then also the other main piece of the puzzle of that course was a, a steady descent where I would have to ride 40 miles an hour, 40 plus miles an hour. So being able to kind of put the two together, um, we worked on that pretty specifically. Um, and then for me, when I got to Tokyo, I took some video of the course and really tried to dial in the corners, uh, the feel of the course, and really do a lot of mental repetitions just to get ready for it. So that's what the preparation looked like. Um, what was part three, um, as far as what was Tokyo like and the Olympics, I think ultimately the, uh, those Olympic games of all the three I've done, obviously were the most different. Um, I was thankful I had experienced in Olympics before, so I knew what a normal Olympics felt like. Um, so it was strange. It was really strange to go into a games without any fans, uh, to just, be so distant from the Olympic village, um, to be in your own little bubble. And then all, obviously all the safety measures with COVID made it really different. So I will always remember it. It will always be very special to me, but definitely it was a different games. And, uh, did you have a chance to stay there a little longer to maybe enjoy a little bit of the atmosphere or you went, nah, I got to prepare for the world championships. I'm taking the next flight home. Or did you have a time to relax a little afterwards? Well, they kicked us out immediately after our event. So due to COVID, they restricted 
they restricted how early we could come in. So it wasn't like you could fly over early and check out the course. You were limited to eight days before your event. And then as soon as you competed, all the athletes had to leave the very next day. So there was no hanging out in Tokyo and being a tourist and just being an Olympian and relaxing. It was straight home. So I missed all that. But uh, yeah, as for rest, once I got home, I did take, I took seven days completely off the bike. So I rested really well to prepare, to actually set myself up to prepare well for Worlds. Well, I, I did speak to your your coach, Tim Kusick, and, um, you know, we were discussing what it takes to train older athletes. And as a former student of the art of the time trial and a couple of things that you just mentioned earlier about making a course, simulating a course, getting the mental preparation done, all that sort of stuff. What do you think has changed in your Let's focus on the time trial preparation from, you know, when you started in 2001 to when you won your first world title in 2008 to when you won your second title in 2016 compared to the Olympics. I mean, that's that's a, a big span. Um, normally, you know, most people are retired or thinking about retirement at that age, even at 2016. But as an aging athlete, what do you think you've concentrated on or had to pay more attention to in the time trial that has allowed you to just consistently be one of the best female time trialists of all time? Yeah, I think basically over the last probably three, four years, you know, I've chosen to be highly specific with the time trial. Uh, Number one, I spent a large number of years of my career um, racing all over Europe and chasing stage races and and winning races and doing all that. So I had I was good with that, but I still had that hunger to be a champion and that hunger to compete at the highest level. And I knew it was still in me. So the time trial just provided that outlet to do that. And it allowed me to be super focused. Um which I enjoy. I enjoy that specificity and I enjoy that focus. And I think as I've gotten older, um, that ability to lock in mentally on a goal and really be okay with letting everything else go. You know, I, I got better at that. I think, um, with age, you know, you, you gain a wisdom that comes with years of just training and understanding your body, understanding what it takes to get there mentally and physically understanding that in that process, there is, there are great days and there are bad days, but the, there are a lot of just doing today's. And, and so to be okay in that place and to stay with the process. Um, and I would say too, one of the things that I've really enjoyed the most over the last four years about being so specific, is just the process of working with Tim on all the details behind the scenes of what it takes at age 46 to do this, um, physically and mentally, um, all the details that go into trying to win a world title now or Olympic games now in the time trial now versus in 2008, you know, when I won in 2008, you just had to be strong, but now you cannot neglect the, the aerodynamics, the rolling resistance, your clothing. I mean, every aspect, every detail has to be looked at. So, it's been a fun challenge to try to catch up and um, use our knowledge and our wisdom together to try to be the best. Um, obviously, we're, we're always chasing perfection. You know, you, you're looking for excellence, but you're chasing perfection. 
So it's been fun and I've enjoyed that process and I've enjoyed the specificity and the focus of all of it. So now, now we talked about you preparing for these races, the highs and lows you went through. If you now would have a chance to write a letter to a younger Ember, what would you write in the letter to yourself just 20 years ago? What would you write in that letter? Wow, what would I tell my younger self? I would say, you know what? It's going to be really hard and that's okay. It's going to be really normal to be challenged, to face adversity. So just be ready, uh, be ready for the ups, be ready for the downs. Um, don't worry too much about those. Just keep stepping forward. You know, it's going to be really important to learn to persevere. It's going to be really important important to be patient. It's going to be really important to learn how to rest and to listen to your body. I think listening to your body would be the other thing I would tell my younger self. I think back to how, oh, I don't know that I would say stupid, but I was stupid <laughs> with some of the things I did in not listening to my body and how important that is and how that will pro prolong your career and help to minimize some of the heartbreaks and the frustrations. Um, I would also say to find, make sure you just learn to love the process because you're going to win big races and people are going to forget almost as quickly <laughs> as you know, the next week that comes. So learn to love the process, enjoy the people and the relationships that you make along the way, find, find the value in impacting people and just enjoy the the process of building character um, as much as you love to chase the victories, those other things are going to be way more important. Awesome. Yeah. The victory, the victories um, are few and far between, at least for myself. I mean, a big hitter like Yenzi got to win all the time, but um, maybe it's that, that fellow time trialist and myself <laughs> that, that did enjoy that specificity, that process, you know, that, progression not perfection like you mentioned um is 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 quite a special trait but you know you've been in the sport for almost two decades or right around two decades and the sport of women's cycling has changed a lot what advance ad advancements have you seen uh during your career and what would you like to see change for the new generation of young women out there Yeah, I've been in the sport a long time. It's crazy to think how many generations of cyclists I've competed against. Um, I guess you could say I'm old. <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, the interesting thing is I would say at the highest level, you know, nothing's different. Your elite athletes from 20 years ago were strong people um, and they'd be strong in this era as well. I think the thing that's gotten different is um, obviously the depth, the depth, the number of riders that are out there, and then the strength of those riders. So that middle ground has gotten deeper, which makes the racing better. Um, I think the, the, the women's teams are racing more like the men's teams. When I was racing with Batonport Flex Point and John Paul Van Poppel and, and trying to win the women's tour to load way back in, you know, 2005, six, seven, those years, We were one of the first teams to race like a men's team. And now I think, you know, just that idea of competing and racing um, has really the tactics, everything about cycling has really come up to new levels, which is really fantastic to see. Uh, when you think about training, 
the training now with everybody, it, it, everybody is so professional. Um, the science, the training, everybody's using power meters. I think when I started, I was one of the only people using power meters back in 2002, three and four, you know, now basically everybody's on a power meter. Everybody's on a solid training plan. You, you can't get away without it anymore. So those things are awesome. The opportunities that are coming with the um, minimum salaries, uh, with the world tour races, all fantastic. I think it's growing the sport in terms of providing opportunities, um, raising the level of professionalism, increasing the exposure so that women can be seen um, and the racing can be seen. So all that is awesome. I think there's still room to grow with regards to the exposure. Um, you know, like the Giro d'Italia this year had no media, basically no, um, and they had a little bit of media coverage, but it was late and it, there was no video to see anything. So that's tricky um, when those races don't get covered. So the more we can get the actual racing on TV um, and then that that racing is covered with the same level of production that the men's racing gets covered. So it's interesting and it tells the story of what's happening, I think becomes really important and will help continue the growth of the sport that much more. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus for less than a dollar a week, you can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. And now back to our chat with Amber. So now... What do you think, like, uh, just out of curiosity for our viewers, what's, do you train the same amount of miles in a year than you did 10 years, 20 years ago? Or you think also that has changed over the time of the sport developing? Yeah, like it, roughly per year, you train the same amount of yeah. miles or, or any differences to your training 10 years, 20 years ago? Yes. Yeah, speaking about me specifically. So I would say, you know, as crazy as it sounds being older, you, you might think I train less, but I actually have trained over the last five years, much more than I've ever trained before. I've carried higher training loads. I've trained bigger volumes, um, increased, you know, intensity levels at the right time. So yeah, I've done so much work over the last five years and it's been interesting to see how resilient my body has been and how I've been able to handle it and recover it. And honestly, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to two people, Tim Cusick, my coach, um, with the design and the planning and actually seeing what I needed to do different and building that in and creating the right planning with regards to the intensity and the loading and, and how to manage all that and, and being able to communicate with me and listen to me and hear me and make adjustments based on what I was feeling and how my body was responding. So all that's been incredible. And then another guy I work with, Lawrence Van Lingen at Inner Runner, who has helped me physically 
recover from my tour of California crash and really learn how to take care of my body and keep my, my hips moving, my glutes working, just everything about me, just more functional and healthier, um, has just allowed me to absorb the work and do that much more work. So yeah, for me personally, over the last, you know, five years, I've done, I've done a ton of training, very, very large training loads. Like I said, I did, I mean, I did a camp, um, at the end of my aerobic build this year, where basically it was a 10 day camp and we did nine days of riding and it was legit thousand miles, um, in there. It wasn't, there was no tootling around. It was a lot of tempo, a lot of sweet spot work in there. So I don't know that I could have done that 20 years ago, to be honest with you. I was there. That tour of California crash wasn't in a time trial, uh -huh. right? On a downhill, you broke your, your femur. Actually, I shattered my iliac crest. So the same hip that's fractured right now, yeah, um, um, the iliac crest mm. got shattered. Yeah, I remember talking to you. Yeah, I remember I was there. Yeah, I was. Oh, and they showed it on yeah. TV. And like, oh, no, I don't need to see it. Yes. Well, I guess between us, we probably have about 20 broken bones between us. I, I bet we yep, do. <laughs> for, sure, for sure we do. Oh, my. And we just keep getting back yes. up, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Giving up, probably. We're all some sort of fight, I suppose. So yeah, giving yeah. up was never and really an option for us. Exactly. Yeah. And Amber, you know, you mentioned your close relation with with Tim, and you're a coach yourself. Um, can you ever turn off that computer mind of yours? And if so, what are some other things um, that that interest you in in your life outside of cycling? Uh, that's a fun question. Yes, I can. Um, I, I would say sometimes I have to be very deliberate about turning my brain off, but I do love to work with young people, uh, to, to hang out with young riders, junior riders, uh, and just, they just bring so much joy. Um, and I love to just share, I don't know if that counts as turning my brain off or not, but just to be able to share and be a mentor, um, and encourage people. Um, I also enjoy, I like to walk and just get outside in nature. Barefoot walks on the beach are one of my favorite things to do. I've got a handful of people that I, that I'll do that with once in a while. Um, yeah, I enjoy writing as much as I enjoy writing. So I, I write, when I have time to just sit and be quiet. Um, I love sports. I love to watch sports. My husband and I are big sports fans. So we, we follow everything and, and like to just yell at the TV when our teams are doing stupid stuff and cheer at the TV when it's fun stuff. Uh, and then another thing I also enjoy doing is I lead, actually lead a Bible study and that's been new for me to lead a small group. So I enjoy that element of life as well. So Amber, now, Hopefully, fingers crossed, you get back in time, get fit to do world championships. The season slowly gets uh, towards an end. Where do you see yourself in five years from now or 10 years from now? If you could just wish, where, where would you want to be? Oh, five years or 10 years. Um, just Let's just say in the future. Um, I think... One of the really cool projects I have sitting in front of me is this base camp project with Tim Cusick, where we're creating this, this new concept of coaching and community and learning and bringing it all together. And to be heavily involved with that, I'm so excited about the opportunity to work with um, 
more people and again, help everybody become better versions of themselves, be better cyclists, learn to understand the whys of what they're doing, learn to be better athletes. Um, and at the same time, a big part of my heart is just knowing how hard life can be and how important it is to get up and not give up, but also to see the, the value in going through those seasons and how you develop what I call championship intangibles, PX4, you know, to be able to help them use cycling as a, a practice world or training ground to practice and learn and develop perseverance, patience, perspective, and power to be able to take those things, not only into their cycling, but into their general lives, uh, their work worlds, their school worlds. You know, I just, I want to be able to just continue to encourage and help people. Um, and I think cycling is the, the natural world. It's my little circle that I'm in. And to be able to use the bike um, as the common denominator to reach and talk and work with like people from all walks of life, you know, every social class, every color, every uh, personality type, every person you can think of. It's so fun when you get them on a bike, how it's just like, it breaks down barriers and you can have really cool conversations. So I'm hopeful to be able to merge my, my writing, my coaching, my teaching, uh, my encouraging all together in the base camp program. And then I think we've got some other projects with, master classes and really taking people through some really cool programs that we want to get off the ground this next year too. Wow. Sounds like you're going to be busy for sure. I um, so. Amber, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you all the best in your recovery and your improved condition for the world championships. And I believe that's September 20th in Flanders, Belgium. So you'll have to make another little jaunt over the pond there. But um, thank you for sharing some of your spare time with us. And yeah, we just wish you all the best and can't wait to hear about your projects as they unfold. Thanks, guys. Always fun to talk to you guys. Also from my side, thanks a lot for taking the time to, you know, to be with us and sharing some of your ideas, experiences and future plans. It was absolutely lovely talking to you. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Ember for being our guest. Thank you for listening. Please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Valley News production in association with Chuck Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of training on Zwift is the community. Whether it's riding with new people you meet on the platform or riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer, in your garage, or your pain cave somewhere. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from. And every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, and even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding on one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, 
I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast.